Welcome to the Tougher Minds podcast. I'm Andrew Whitelam. I'm joined by Tougher Minds founder, Dr. John Finn. And in this episode, we're talking about what it takes for teams to be successful. We're going to discuss issues including effective leadership and performing under pressure. Now, what's prompted this discussion is the appearance of England, Scotland and Wales in football's European Championships. And of course, England played Scotland at Wembley two days prior to this recording. That match finished nil-nil. And John, whenever England or any of the home nations play, their performances are always carefully and closely analysed, especially by the sports media. And specifically in the case of the England versus Scotland game, some commentators highlighted what they said was a lack of intensity in England's performance. So what do we know about these types of issues from a brain and a habit perspective? What do we know about maintaining focus and and how can teams be focused, concentrated and committed, whether in sports or business? Yeah, I think the best way to think about this, Andrew, this idea of intensity is to go back to the brain and think about how it works. One of the driving forces behind our brain and therefore concentration, alertness, are neurotransmitters, essentially chemicals in your brain. And there are certain neurotransmitters that we know are important for really focusing in in a way that we need to focus to perform uh, in a, in a, a physical intensity like like a, a like a, f- a football match. Um, equally, we know there are neurotransmitters that we need to use in order to really concentrate in, in a meeting. And the neurotransmitters that are important here are things like dopamine and, and neuroadrenaline uh, and, and adrenaline. And the way that we like to help people think about this is by explaining a, a concept we created called activation to them. So activation is, think of a dial. It goes from zero all the way around to 100. And this dial represents how alert you are, how quickly or slowly you're breathing, how quickly or slowly your heart is beating. If you're at zero, if you're at zero, or zero, zero on the activation scale, it means that you're dead. That's the starting point. And as you come past being dead, so being maybe numbers one, two, three, four, et cetera, you're probably asleep. And essentially the low numbers on the activation dial represent being calm, relaxed, not very alert to the outside world. The highest numbers, so up to 100, you could be really pumped up, you could be really nervous, you could be uh, really excited because it sort of looks the same in your brain. And for everything that you do every day, there's an optimal activation level. So to go to sleep tonight, you need to be at the very low numbers. If you're sitting at your desk and you need to concentrate, for me, I'd need to be maybe at a 50 or a 60 on the activation dial. To play a great game of of football, there's a certain number on the activation dial that you need to be. And things are going to happen in in a football match which influence your activation dial. Someone might kick you and that might get your activation really high, but it's too high to perform to your potential, so you need to reduce it down again. Maybe you've been too calm or relaxed before the whistle blows. So that means when the whistle blows for the start of the game, your activation isn't where it needs to be. So what we see is the best sports teams, they're really good at managing their activation levels individually and collectively throughout the ebbs and the flows of the game. And one of the best examples we can see of this is the the famous uh, New Zealand rugby team, the All Blacks, 
that won back-to-back World Cups, the team that was captained by Richard McCaw and that had a win ratio of, I think, off the top of my head, something like 95%. And they very deliberately worked on this. And they actually talked about this as the blue head and the red head states. So the blue head state was calm. The red head state was overly activated. And you could see on the field when they were playing, they had these trigger movements they were doing. Um, a player called Brad Thorne, you would see would pour water over himself to calm himself down and reduce his activation when he was getting overactivated and he thought he might start to give penalties away. You could see other players slapping their thighs uh, to, to, to pump themselves up, if you like, to increase their activation level. So for me, intensity is just part of a continuum of alertness and activation. And it's really a mirror of the sort of brain chemicals that you have or you don't have in your brain. So I would say that what the pundits were really describing when they were saying, when they were saying or observing that they didn't feel England had the right level of intensity was that really England, the English players didn't have the right brain chemicals, neurotransmitters in their brains. And that actually they weren't necessarily aware enough of that and they didn't have these sort of all black type triggers that they could use to get their individual activation levels up to where they needed them to be in order to have the right intensity in that game. So that would be uh, one observation about that. And that concept of activation then, John, that, that applies in any context. Obviously, we're talking and first and foremost here about a sporting context and, and you've cited a, an excellent sporting parallel there, but that, that, that applies to us all? Yeah, everything... In, in, in anything that we're doing every single day. So one of the tools, one of the habit mechanic tools we have in the Level 2 Advanced Habit Mechanic Training Programme is the, the activation profile, where we get people to profile their current activation levels throughout the course of the day, but also their optimal activation levels. You know, for many people, they will see, or one of the typical things we see when people do this exercise is they see an activation slump in the early part of the afternoon, for example, where they can get their activation to where they need it to be to concentrate in the way they need to concentrate. So there are things that we can do and we help, we help people to learn how to match their, their optimal activation with their actual active activation. And that's what we're trying to do. You know, if you try to go to sleep tonight and you've just been checking your emails and you get a a worrying email, you're going to be laying in bed overly activated and essentially not being able to go to sleep. Because of that, if you didn't sleep very well uh, that night, in the morning then, when you need to get your activation up to the right level to focus on work, you know, you're probably going to struggle to get activated. And I think the challenge with these international tournaments, bring it back to uh, the Euros, is that, you know, the players are sort of taken out of their normal rhythm. So they have their, they have their um, club rhythm, the club training patterns, the you know the pre, the, the, the pre match preparation that goes on in your club side, it's probably different for the for the um, the international side, and also with the COVID restrictions, obviously what the players can be doing, um, uh, just just in, in in daily you know life now is limited. Sometimes you see, particularly in rugby, you might you might see people on the side of the side of the pitch on a warm-up bike, you know, ready to come on. I'd, I'd connect that to an activation idea as well. But yeah, absolutely essential. For me, it's uh, 
and, and this is the way we talk about it, it's, it's just as important as sleep, diet and exercise activation, but it's invisible to most of us. It's not something we really think about. The closest concept we think about is anxiety. And we think of anxiety as a, as a negative thing largely, whereas anxiety is not a negative thing. It can be just as helpful as it can be unhelpful if we know how to use it properly. So yeah, it's, it's, it's ingrained into everything that we're doing. And if we can learn more about it and get better at managing it, then life and performance gets a lot easier. Okay, so well, we can see then it's a concept that could help people and teams increase their focus and intensity in any situation, as, as you've outlined. Um, and I suppose the next question then is, is creating, um, facilitating, developing, engendering this level of activation, is that the responsibility um, uh, in a sporting context of the leaders off the field, the managers, the coaches, um, or perhaps in the workplace, people not right there in that situation. Is that responsibility something, and is that is that role something that has to happen before the performance begins, before the team begins doing what it has to, before the team takes the field in a sporting context? Yeah, well, I would say let's look at the All Blacks approach to this, who did it very successfully. So the managers took strategic responsibility to recognise that the mental side of the game for the All Black team needed to be very deliberately developed in this, the same way they were developing their technical, their tactical play, their technical play, their fitness levels. They, they understood that we've got to be developing and committing to the mental part of our training in exactly the same intensity, if not more intensely, because this is the part of the game we're lacking. One of the tactics to improve the, the mental side of the game was educating everyone about activation or what we call activation. They call it the, the blue heads, uh, red head states. So they gave the players the knowledge and the skills about this. But actually then, once you cross the white line, it's up to the players to manage it. So this is where the All Blacks were, were, were exceptional because they packed their team full of leaders. And what I mean by a leader is someone who's not only good at influencing their own behaviour, so in this case to get their own activation to the correct level, but also people that are good at influencing other people's behaviours. So if they see a teammate who's at the wrong activation, the wrong level of intensity, they can also positively influence that person to get their activation to the right level. So, so, so it's, a, it's a little bit of both. What, what leadership on the field is about is solving problems. So it's, it's, it's helping the team collectively to solve problems. So in a football example, a problem might be that you need to solve. Well, the way that we're attacking the opposition isn't breaking down their defence. That's the problem. So therefore, what the leaders on the field need to do is to say, right, well, this isn't working. We need to attack the opposition's defence in a different way to see if that breaks down their defence so we can get some shots at go. This is the same thing. So if the leaders on the field are saying, wait a minute, the team are not activated enough, there's not enough intensity in our play, the leaders need to be able to communicate with everyone else on the field to, to, to get their activation up to the right level, to, to overcome that problem. Uh, and, and this is, we, we train people to be chief habit mechanics, and that's what's at the heart of that. It's about learning not only to influence your own behaviour, but influence other people's behaviours. 
in a way that allows the team to solve the problems they need to solve, in this case, to win the game. So if you're a team that's lacking intensity, the first problem the leaders need to solve is how do we get everyone to be more intense? And that's about helping everyone to get better neurotransmitters into their brain, the dopamine, the neuroadrenaline, et cetera. So that's the way that I would think about it. So it's a little bit of both. The management need to give the players the knowledge and the skills to do this. But then it's really up to the leaders on the field to help people to build the habits of getting to the right activation levels through that lens of you know, influencing other people's behaviours, communicating and collaborating to help everyone solve problems. So if a team is on the field and it's recognising, wait a minute, we don't have the right levels of intensity here to perform to our potential, but the team is not able to do anything about that, that suggests that you don't have world-class leaders in your team. You don't have chief habit mechanics. That's not necessarily the player's fault because maybe no one's ever shown them how to be a world-class leader or, or a chief habit mechanic but it points back towards a leadership problem. And John, I, I suppose the logical conclusion to what you're saying then is that if a team has to be high-performing, it's required to be high-performing, it wants to be world-class and, and, and produce consistent world-class performances, whether in sport or business, it has to develop more of these habits within the team. As you say, pack, pack the team with habit mechanics. How, how, can, how can teams go about working towards that? Yeah, well, I think we've got some really interesting examples in sport, looking at looking at the, the leadership and which is people's ability to be habit mechanics and chief habit mechanics. I think one really interesting insight is if we go back to the England rugby union team that won the uh, 2003 World Cup under Clive Woodward, the backbone of that team I think the majority of the starting 15 came from the amateur era of the sport where they worked a full-time job and they, you know, they played rugby as a hobby, as a, as a pastime. And then the sport became professional, so all those players got paid full-time to, to play the sport. And many people would say that the level of of leadership in that team hasn't been replicated purely through a professional development process. So there's been commentary for a lot of years that the academy systems in, in, in rugby in this case hadn't been able to develop the sort of leaders that had been developed out of the amateur era. I just think that's a really interesting observation because I think maybe what we've been guilty of in sports development is focusing maybe too heavily on the on the technical, the tactical, and the fitness side of things, but not enough on the mental uh, and leadership development. You know, so field I've worked in a lot, and I, I think that we've we've overlooked that uh, previously. So, what we need to do is there's this obsession, I think, with getting world class players, world class technical and tactical players and that's great but actually what you also need is world-class leaders because you don't win uh, football games or rugby games or cricket games just because you're world-class technical and tactical players 
games that ebb and they flow and people have off days and great days and leaders on having world-class leaders on the field helps to mitigate those problems and steer the ship so that whatever problem or challenge you face on the field the habit mechanic leaders can help everyone to communicate and collaborate to overcome the problem whether it's a lack of intensity or a lack of ability to break down the opposition's defense or a lack of ability to break up the opposition's attack so yeah i think that the the, the mental side the leadership side well i know that it absolutely can develop so i just question if we are spending enough purposeful time on that um and, and teaching and developing players who are as good at leading as they are as being you know on the ball from a technical tactical skill perspective and a fitness perspective if that makes sense andrew yes certainly and and i think what i what i would then say is I, I, it's probably worth pointing out and asking you that in this this applies equally in 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 the business world in let's call it real life as well if you like um that that emphasis on developing leadership skills is, is so important in all contexts would you say john yeah absolutely and it's moving away from the knowing to the doing so you know you go and google what are the characteristics of good leaders and you get a list of things that are pretty useless really because good leaders don't know what they need to do they do it they're in the habit of doing it so we need to have a framework that we can use to teach leaders we've got our team power uh, leadership framework the role model the action communicator the cultural architect and the swap coach and we have to have a way of helping leaders develop habits in all of those areas analyzing where their habits currently are and to keep building new habits so i think when maybe not doing a good a job as we could in developing what's traditionally called the soft skills you know the leadership the men the, the men the mental uh, performance side of things because they're just more difficult to develop because they're invisible and they're intangible we've had these huge break uh, breakthroughs in, in understanding how the brain works and why people do what they do through neuroscience and behavioral science and we can use those insights to make leadership development performance development uh, really tangible for people and we're having great success in doing that yeah, in doing that by teaching people to be habit mechanics and chief habit mechanics, which is not about knowing what to do. It's about building better habits so that you just do what is most helpful for you uh, individually and collectively. John, where can people find out more about the Tougher Minds approaches then, uh, becoming a habit mechanic and a chief habit mechanic, as you say? Yeah, well, I think if you want to feel better, you want to perform better, the only way to do that sustainably is to learn how to change your brain. And the only robust solution I know that helps you to do that is to learn how to become a habit mechanic. That's why we've designed it like that. And if you want to become a habit mechanic, just go to our website and you can sign up for level one training for absolutely free. You get a certificate and everything. Uh, we've got loads of people doing that at the moment. If you're interested in the leadership side, you want to be a chief habit mechanic, you want to help your people and your team to fill their potential. Well, the only way that you can do that is by helping your people's brains to work properly. And again, the only way that I understand you can do that, only a viable solution is to learn how to become a chief habit mechanic. 
and to start learning how to become a chief habit mechanic, you just go to the Tougher Minds website and you can uh, watch the world-class leadership workshop for free. And that's, that will set you on the path, give you some skills and some insights as to how you can start doing that. Okay, John, thank you very much indeed for talking to us. We'll continue to watch the uh, European Championships and, and the performances of England, Scotland and Wales for more interesting examples that we can analyse and draw parallels with and uh, share insights about. So thank you very much for your time. Don't forget, if you want to watch that workshop for free, go to the Tougher Minds website, tougherminds.co.uk. You've been listening to the Tougher Minds podcast. Thank you, and we'll see you again soon.